morning, we're going to be in a few different places. So, so you don't have to turn, turn there because we're going to be referencing the book of John and 1 John this morning. Fathers, we get into the time of the word. Our passion, our desire is that we would draw closer to you. Lord, that we would also be aware of others and help them draw closer to you. One step closer. God, we just pray that you would bless this message and help our hearts be open and ready to receive it and our minds in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's been on my heart. If we could change maybe these lights, to, uh, I don't know if Ed's back, back there or not, but to, to white would be great. It's feeling a little dim. Um, we could even turn on the front lights. That'd be fine. You know, the, uh, this, this week I was in in First John and then going back to John and then just kept kept going through that and thinking of, of as we are going on this, you know, one step closer to Jesus, this philosophy that helps us to understand that as, as we're living this life, abiding in Christ, that we're going to be growing closer to Jesus and that we need to be looking out for the things we've talked about the last few weeks, the things that hinder our walk from growing closer, looking for those things that are going to help us to grow closer to Jesus. And what does that look like? And one of the things that, that immediately came to me this week is, is that love of God, from God, for God, and love of others is, is so important in that. And I tell you, the world is obsessed with love also. You know, it's always, you know, on the tabloids or things, who's in love with this person or that. You think of all the songs. All you need is love. Do, 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 do. What the world needs now is love. Sweet love. For some of you, other, you know, younger than that, maybe, you know, love is a battlefield. Some of you remember that song. We got some uh, Pat Benatar. Love, love will keep us together. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, love stinks. Love stinks. That, I was I was looking for some of those that, all the old the movies and TV shows and of course there's all the things about love but all the titles even the love boat Herbie the love bug love potion number nine this one the, the crazy stupid love that was a, that was just about 15 years ago I think um, you know love is just always on our radar and and you know and then we have these phrases like I love chocolate and I love this and I love that you know love we say it all the time and love is just always on our radar. The Bible also has a lot to say about love. Over 200 mentions, over 200 verses in the New Testament talk about love. And in the whole Bible, there's only about 550. And since the Old Testament is a lot bigger than the than the new and there's all, almost half of those mentions are in the new testament it's amazing that's because jesus came and he wanted us to understand love in a do, new and different way the word in the greek that you've got you guys have heard um i'm sure is agape agape love that's what the word in the greek is for god's love his unconditional love. there's a few other words in the greek and one is the friendship in fact does anyone know what the city of friendship is Philadelphia, and that comes from the Greek word phileo. Philadelphia means a friendship kind of love. And then there's eros, which was where we get the word erotic love. It's more of a sensual, passionate love. But the word agape love is just uh, is is not just. It's God's love. It's an unconditional love. It's a deeper love. And outside of the Bible, there was no places before the writing of the Bible that that word was found in Greek. It is a Christian 
New Testament word that was apparently came onto the scene to express love in a way that they, the church and the people didn't have already. They invented a new way to express God's love for us. So after the New Testament, you'll find Greek writings with that word in it, agape. It's become part of the vocabulary. But the writers wanted to say, that, listen, God's love for us is a different kind of love than we've ever known. And that's really neat to know because his love is different. It's beyond the things that we've experienced or known in the natural. And that's what the Bible's love, the Bible's love is talking about. And I want to just start off with John chapter 13. And this passage, this whole section in the book of John is really important when you're reading because this is the, the section where begins to he's having the last supper he's washing the disciples feet chapter 13 and it goes on over the next couple chapters and it's when jesus takes his disciples out he spends the last evening with them and then he walks chapter 15 out of the house and he goes up to where he's about to be betrayed and he talks about in chapter 15 i am the vine you are the branches abide in me but this is the last things that jesus had to say and whenever you're Dealing with someone who knows the end is near, the topic is going to be really important at the end. And so Jesus leaves this here, and so he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So Jesus is is saying, okay, I'm about to go away. And you need to understand that this is about love. It's a new command. Now, the disciples, they're Jewish. They understand rules. They understand regulations. They had the law. They were supposed to be good Jews and keep the law. Jesus said that that all the law and the prophets hang on this, love the Lord your God and love your brother as yourself. And he's reiterating, saying, "This I'm not going to give you commands, other things to do. It's not about doing anything else. It's about loving God and loving your neighbor. That's what it is. That's what everything else is wrapped up into is the love. The Apostle Paul got it too, and he wrote so much on the subject of love. But John, John's just amazing because John is the one who, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, at the end of his life, as he's exiled in, in Patmos, writing these, the letters, he is the one who boils everything down to love. When it's all said and done, it's about loving God and loving your neighbor. Now, immediately we begin, I don't know if you do, but you know, we get the word neighbor out and we start thinking, well, I, I go down my street. You know, the people around me. And you know, the, the, the Jews came to Jesus and said, hey, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus goes and gives the story of the good Samaritan who wasn't a, a neighbor at all. He didn't live in the area. It wasn't about location. But it was the Samaritan who was neighbor to the Jewish man who was hurt. And so loving our neighbor is really love, being neighborly, being a neighbor to others, not just looking around and saying, you know, okay, I got to love them and them, but who, who don't I have to love? Jesus, really what he wanted to do is he wanted to make the circle bigger and include more. And, and so often we're saying, do I have to love them? In fact, you probably have asked that question at a time.
somebody hurt you in a way and you said, do I have to love them? And you're trying to see if there's a way that you can get them outside of your circle. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to tell you where your circle's at. We're supposed to love God and love our neighbor. And so Jesus takes this opportunity to wrap all of these things up in John chapter 13, John chapter 14, John chapter 15. And and in that section is just wonderful stuff because he's talking about abiding in him. And, and uh, in, again, in chapter 15, verse 12, just a couple chapters over from where you are at 13, it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And so so we see that, of course, the world is is obsessed with love, enamored with the, the idea of love. But what is love? And that's where the world gets it wrong so often. You know, they, they give a false picture of what love is. Love is lust. Love is often selfish. Love is a feeling. Love is a battlefield. But what, is, what does the Bible have to say about love? And, and I was even thinking of the movie when I was going through this. I said, even Forrest Gump knew what love is. I do know what love is, Jenny. Yeah. And I think maybe he actually had a better understanding of love because he was selfless. There was a wonderful character trait in Forrest Gump um, that was, was very selfless in that. And love is, well, what is love? 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, you can go to, is the love chapter. Do you realize in that section in 1 Corinthians 13 that it only says that love is two things? Love is patient and kind. Everything else is what love is not. Love is only patient and kind. And then it's not selfish, haughty, rude, arrogant, proud. Right? Love is patient and kind. Could probably just say, Love is patient and kind, go be patient and kind and amen. That's what love is, patient and kind and, and how those things come in. But so this is what, what the Bible says love is, and that we're to love one another. This sounds good. But can we do it? Can we really do it? There was somebody said, you know, I love mankind. I've said it too. It's just people I can't stand. (laughs) Or the guy who said, to live above with those we love, oh, how that will be glory. To live below with those we know, now that's another story. because we understand that it resonates with us there's truth to that i i was i was reading these little quotes from kids and kids say the darndest things and there were there were prayers and and one one little girl said god did you really want us to love everybody cuz there's just four people in my family and i can't even do that it's so sweet, so true. The old hymn we sang, 
I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. Instead, it's more, I'm surprised you're a part of the family of God. <laughs> Love one another. How hard is that? It's such a, an amazing thing, and I will start with the same thing I end with. You can't. We can't really love anyone on our own. We can try. We can do it for a while. We can muster things up. There's a lot of ways to help, but we can't do it on our own. We can only really love because Christ loved us. And having him live inside of us and his life living through us is the only way we can love people. Now, there are people that are easier to love than others, but even those people we can't really love without Christ. It falls short. We can't always be patient, and we can't always be kind. And then those other things are going to creep in. We're going to end up being envious or jealous or proud or boastful. or We're going to do these things that cause damage. So the beginning of the sermon has to start with that as well as it has to end with that. Because it's not about, uh, this This message this morning isn't about, I'm going to tell you some good things to do and go ways to love people and then just go out and try really hard to do it. Though that's part of it. Those things happen. There's things that we can do actually to help us love one another. But outside of Christ, it's just not going to happen. So people are irritating. And, and we need that, that love of Christ inside of us in order for it to come out. You know, not like the guy who told his wife, you know, if you really loved me, you would have married somebody else. <laughs> yeah. We need love. Some of you wives may have had your husbands tell you that. Oh, because we say horrible things. We say horrible things. But we, we need love in our lives, and it needs to become a, a, a dominating character in our life. We, we need to have Christ living in and through us in order to be a light. And so one of, what we want to do, one of the things is we want to make love a priority. That's why as we're even beginning this drawing closer to Jesus, one step closer to Jesus, love has to become a priority. Didn't Jesus say you'll, they will know that you're my disciples by the t-shirt you wear? <laughs> by the bumper stickers on your car? And he says they'll know that you're my disciples by your love one for another. You know, we, we really, we don't always think about it, but we kind of, we, we, there's a mentality that we do. We want to slap a sticker on our car that says, I'm a Christian. Or put on a t-shirt or wear a bracelet or a, a cross on our, on our, on our neck that says, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Well, the best way for people to know that you're a Christian is your love one for another. In fact, if you're not going to have love one for another, Take the bumper sticker off because you might give a bad witness. You know, years ago, you ever see those cars driving around and you know the person who drives it, they're, they're, they're on drugs and, and they're just messed up. You say, how do they get their Christian butt? And they're Christians. Well, I found out they buy the cars and the stickers are already on them. <laughs> so when you sell a car, take off the stickers, you know. But, but people are supposed to know us by our love. And so we need to make love a priority 
And this is what the, the Bible says. This is the message you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. 1 John 3.11. Throughout the book, John and the book of 1 John, it's all about love. We spend time on whatever we think is important. If you think about what's, what's important to you, that's where you're spending your time. You know, we, we spend time with family, with friends. Maybe you work out, or of course you have to work. Prayer. Some people, they're serving the poor, they're serving in church. We're spending time with the things that we think are important. Are we spending time working on loving one another? Spending time purposely loving one another. First Corinthians says, If I give all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to be burned but do not have love, I gain nothing. Nothing. So it's not just acts. It's we need to have love one for another. And we have this freedom to set our own priorities, but Jesus made a, made a point to tell us to love one another. Love one another, just as I have loved you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So this is there are some gray areas we talk about in the scriptures that we go, well, is this right? Is this wrong? Love isn't one of them. Loving people, loving your neighbor, loving the world. God loved the whole world. This isn't a gray area. It's something that we need to have, love for one another. We need to make that love a priority. We need to have that as the highest of Christian virtues, I think. Love. Because our thoughts and our responses and everything that we do, our acts of goodwill, should go through the filter of love. Otherwise, it'll be, it very well could be selfish. It could be self-serving. You know, a lot of people do a lot of really good works with the wrong motive. It needs to become out of love. Love for one another. Martin Luther King said, Our responsibility as Christians is to discover the meaning of this command to love God and love others and seek passionately to live it out in our daily lives. Why is it so important? It's one of the things we need to understand and work to understand. Why is this love thing so important? We have some immediate answers. You know what? We know how we feel when somebody loves us when they serve us, when they go out of the way. And if there's, there's a great book out there. It's called The Five Love Languages. I, I recommend it. It's, it's, it helps you understand yourself. It helps you understand other people and giving and receiving love. But the importance of love. It was a, there's been a number of studies. There was uh, two that are tied into But there was um, twins that were born at the, at the same time. And they were preemies and they put them in separate incubators and they weren't doing well. They weren't doing well. In fact, they were deteriorated. They didn't know why. And one of the nurses said, Let's, we need to put them together. So they put the babies in the same incubator. They keep them apart in case they had bacteria and germs that they didn't want to share it. So they put them in the same incubator. And they stopped crying and they started thriving. There was something about love, the contact of being together. In South America, they actually did a, a study. There was an orphanage. And, and I remember this from Guatemala. The orphanages need people who will just go and hold babies, believe it or not. Because there's so many of these kids in these orphanages, they really only have enough time to feed them and to change them, and then they have to move on. 
And so a lot of these children, especially three months to like three years, you know, were, they were again just like the babies in the incubator. They were not thriving. They were going the other way. They were having problems and health issues. And they, and they watched that. But then they started watching when volunteers would come in and spend time and just hold them. And they started thriving. We thrive when we're cared for, when we're loved. It's so important. There are people that need to know that they're cared for. And we are the body of Christ. We should be doing that, and we should be doing it well. When Jesus spoke to the disciples, he said, All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. For the, for the people of Israel, the Jews, and even a lot of people today, because I think we're like them, give us a list of things to do. It would seem logical to put the, the law on, on more commandments. Give us some more things to do. But Jesus put the, he put the law on love. Everything is summed up in love. Love one another. In Romans chapter 13, Paul goes on and he says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Do you know why there's so many extra laws? And on top of the, the laws in the Old Testament that we know, the rabbis had to come up with more laws. And they wrote all these individual laws of, of how many steps you could take and what to do in this case and what to do because nobody was able to fulfill these things. We're all like, well, give me more, give me more understanding, give me more details. If we all just began to live according to love God and love your neighbor, we don't need the law. And it's, and it's, it's proven out in society, but it was also something that Jefferson and the founding fathers knew. When they created this nation, when this nation was birthed and they created the Constitution, there wasn't a whole bunch of extra laws in there. Everything we have are, what are they called? Amendments? That means they came later. It was a framework to live our lives, just a basic framework to, lo love, to rule a country. In fact, I believe it was Jefferson who said, this Constitution of the United States is formed for a holy people. For holy people. It is unfit for any other type of person. He knew that when they, when they did the, the Constitution, when they did that, that it was for a Christian people who in, had holiness in them. They knew Jesus. And when, when you have Christ... When you have love for God and love for one another, you don't need to be told, don't steal. Don't take your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's husband. Don't lie to one another. You don't need to be told any of those things because you know that, boy, if they were stealing from me, I wouldn't feel loved. Love your neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of this law. Now, and this might even sound irrelevant to, to our generation because we depend so much on police, guns, and force to uphold the law. But his simple command to love God and love your neighbor actually requires greater strength than any of us have on our own. It goes right back to we can't do it without Jesus. 
We need His strength in us. John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no man than this. The importance of understanding that, knowing that we thrive in love, that Jesus said, if you love God, you're obeying His commands. You're going to obey Him. It's not obey His commandments and add on love. It's love God and you'll obey His commandments because you understand the heart of God. Somebody comes into your home, maybe a foster parent, and you, and you lay down the rules and they, they just reject them. They don't want to do the law, the rules. I've seen this, I've heard about it. But once that child begins to feel loved, know that they're loved and have reciprocal love, they want to do the rules in the house. They want to because they feel part of the family of God. So we have to understand the importance of love. We have to live, we have to embody a nature of love. And, it, and that love is so different than what the world has. It's supposed to be different than what the world has. When we, when we demonstrate Christian love, it sets us apart. It distinguishes believers from the rest of the world. And, and I've heard that so many times about this church and other churches too. I don't think we're totally special, but I think God's got a special call for us. But people have come here and said, I feel loved. But woe to us if we ever stop loving people. And there's been people who've come through and they've come in and they've gone out and haven't felt loved. It's an indictment to me. It's an indictment to us. We need to love people, and, it, and that love really distinguishes us from other places. I honor and lift up Pastor Eric Herger over at Believer's Chapel so much. You know, he's got such a heart for people, and he gets a lot of the unwanted people in the valley, and they keep going there. And it's not just because they have a pantry. Because you don't have to go there to get the food at the pantry. They go there because they know that they're loved. Expand our heart, God, to love people, even those that are difficult to love. So we need to, to be that, we need to be Christ's body and love people everywhere we go. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. It's not the t shirts. It's not the bracelets or the fish decals. And the world is watching. The world is watching all the time. And we just can win them, not out of false love, but when they really see genuine love, living that, that life. That love should distinguish us as Christians. I, I've been places and I've, random places and seen people that either I knew were Christians or professed to be Christians and then they go to check out, something happens and they get angry with the clerk. You know, it's, it's really a, it's, it is really a bummer when you see a car driving down the street cutting people off and they have a not of this world sticker on their car. It, it, it's, it, it's just, it's a bad witness. There these things. It, our life should be distinguished. We should be like the nicest people. Now, there's a group of people who probably all of us in here would say they are so nice, 
even though we don't agree with their doctrine. And who is it? They're all saying it. It's the Mormons. God, they're so nice. They're so nice. They're, they're helpful and they're loving. And they are. And then to make us feel better, we try to make up stories about them. But they abuse their wives and they're all alcoholics. I've heard people say things like that. And I think it's just because we feel bad that they have a good reputation and we don't. You know, I want it to be said, Christians, instead of Christians are hypocrites. I want it to be Christians love. They're good. You know, they might be wacky in their whole Jesus-only stuff, but they, they sure love. And you know, they even say that being homosexual is wrong, but they love homosexuals. That's so weird. That's what, we, that's what should be being said about us. We should be set apart for the love that we have. We study apologetics. Apologetics is is knowing how to talk to people uh, and, 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 in a sense, convince them and about Christ. The best apologetic is love. You disarm everything. You disarm everything. Like a few weeks ago when I talked about that Christian who was yelling on the streets when I was doing an outreach in New York, and it ended up being a Mormon that they were yelling at. And the Mormon was just nice and calm. Thought, what a horrible witness. Even though the things that the guy who was yelling, was he was saying true things, the other man was will never be won over because of that attitude. There was a missionary in East Africa, and when they returned home to report on all the things that had happened overseas, he told of an interesting phenomena, and he said that repeatedly he had noticed groups of Africans, they would walk past the government hospitals, and they would go extra miles to receive care at the little missionary clinics. And he didn't understand, so finally he began to to ask, why do you walk past a government hospital and come here. It's the, it's the same medicines. Often the clinics would be in, in rural places and some people would actually come from the other side. And they said the medicines might be the same, but the hands are different. Isn't that wonderful? That, that, that should be it. You know, even, even if you're a hairstylist, well, how come you come to me you know, there's a lot of hairstylists. You know, there's there's other people who cut hair, but there's something that happens when I sit in your chair. You know, I really feel cared for here. That'd be great. Is it possible? It is. The virtue of love incarnate. That's what makes a difference. You know, Christ chooses us to be his hands. He chooses us to be his feet. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And we're his hands and feet. So in a sense, God is giving us to the world to be a witness, to be his body incarnate throughout this world. Christian love is indispensable. 
So we need to learn how to make love a priority and understand that how important it is. It's not just an add-on. It's not just, oh, I guess i got to do love too. Understand how important it is. Live it. Embody it. And then demonstrate the virtue of love. How can we practice this glorious virtue of love? This is where it kind of comes into some things to help us know. One, love values other people. Love values the other person. There's a lot of, of counterfeits in the world. Lust, sentimentality. Some people are sentimental and it feels like love. They can relate with you. Gratification. You know, love is a wonderful, warm feeling, but it's so much more than that. It's not just a feeling. I've raised my kids telling them, ever since they were little, I've done a little bit different than others. I think some, some parents have been afraid that their kids would fall in love too early as Christians and maybe make mistakes. And, and I've told my kids repeatedly, I says, you're going to fall in love so many times before you get married. I, I don't belittle when an 11-year-old comes up and says, I'm in love. So many adults, we have the wrong answer. We say, that's not love. Well, tell an 11-year-old that that's not love. Oh, I say, oh. There is that warm feeling that is love that you can't express, but you know when you have it, and you start having it at young ages. But biblical love, Christian love, is more than just that. You know, again, my kids, they've already had a few. I remember Matthew's first love, and, And I'm not good. It was so sweet. But but the love that we have is is beyond that. And the Bible talks about it as is really actions more than feelings. It's an active interest. You could say it's an active interest in the well being of another person. You know, love acts for the benefit of others. As William Barclay said, it's the spirit in the heart that will never seek anything but the highest good of its fellow man. It's the spirit in the heart that will never seek anything but the highest good of its fellow man. In 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't parade itself, it's not puffed up, it doesn't behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It doesn't rejoice in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know, it's not, it's not selfish, the NIV says. God loves us not because we had something to offer Him. That would be a selfish love. God's not selfish. He loved us because he loved us. He just does. And it's not how good we are or can be. He loves us. It's not selfish at all. It's not self, self-serving. God loves us so much that he could demonstrate his mercy to us through Jesus Christ. I heard of a pastor in in Dallas, Texas who... He did a lot of weddings, kind of like I used to do. And apparently, the nervous grooms would come and ask him, Well, Pastor, how much do I owe you for this? 
I think I'm going to start doing this too, by the way. And the pastor would always look at him and smile and say, just pay me what she's worth. <laughs> Apparently he made a lot of money. <laughs> just pay me what she's worth. Tongue in cheek, I'm sure. Because his bride is oh so valuable on the day of their wedding and he should keep her that valuable their whole married life, men. Keep her that valuable your whole married life. Just like that, every one of us is of that incredible value to God. Just pay what we're worth. In God's eyes, it was worth his son. He paid a high price for us because he values us so much. We need to be willing to sacrifice, value the other person. Love is vulnerable to other people. You know, being vulnerable is, is kind of against our culture also. I'm going to show you all my strength and put up all the walls and all the faces. And, but love is vulnerable to the other person. It opens up. We have life groups so that we have a place that we can be open and honest and you become vulnerable. You know, you don't want to be vulnerable in a big group of people, but you spend some time with people. You need to find a group that you can be vulnerable with and talk about the things that are difficult, thing, things that you struggle with. Everyone needs to have that. And love is vulnerable to other people. It's not just the, the sentimental feelings. It breaks down the barrier. It really needs to expose our, our hearts. Jesus himself left heaven. He became vulnerable. You know, imagine going away for a, a week on a business trip and coming back and people not recognizing you, your family and your friends. In a sense, that's what happened with Jesus. He came down and we didn't recognize him. And we treated him horribly. We abused him, ridiculed him. Need to be vulnerable to others. C.S. Lewis described the nature of love in, in one of his writings. It says, To love is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. And that's true. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. Instead, it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. C.S. Lewis. That's where we live. We live in a culture that is doing that. They've been hurt and they want to hide away. And some of these people live in our midst and you would never know it because they're gregarious. And they know how to put on a front, but they've not really opened up their heart because it's been hurt before. And after a while, it becomes calloused and you'll never get in. Lord, help us. Help us to be vulnerable. Something happens when you open up your heart 
to somebody else. And the relationship expands. Also, love entails a cost. Love entails a cost. There's going to be a price to pay. Love gets its hands dirty. It doesn't just sit back. It takes risks. It goes out on limbs. Sometimes love does the unexpected. Love does things and steals other people's hearts. I recently was drawn to a story about the founder of World Vision, um, Bob Pierce. He had leukemia, but he went to visit a colleague in Indonesia before he died. And as he and some other people were walking together through a, a little village, they came upon a young girl lying on a bamboo mat next to a river. And she was also dying of cancer and only had a short time to live. And Bob was, was angry. He demanded to know why she wasn't in a clinic. He's World Vision, the International Relief. And his friends he just explained that she was from the jungle and she wanted to actually spend her last few days next to the river. It was cool. It was familiar. And so she was just waiting to die. Bob looked down at her and he felt compassion, this article said, and he got down on his knees in the mud and he took her hand and he began stroking it. And although she didn't understand him, he prayed for her. Afterwards, she looked up and said something, and he says, what did, what did she say? And the, his friend said, she said, if, if I could only sleep again, if I could only sleep again. Apparently, her pain was so great that she couldn't rest. There was no relief. So Bob began to, to weep. And he reached into his pocket and took out his own sleeping pills. He had leukemia doctor had given him sleeping pills because his pain was so great he couldn't sleep at night. He wasn't to return to the States or be anywhere where he would be able to replenish his prescription for 10 days. And he gave the sleeping pills to the locals and said, make sure she has one every night until they're gone or until she passes. He was willing to forgo his sleep and suffer for the next number of days so that this young girl could get sleep. You know, when I read that story, there was a part of me wanted to, I wanted to say that here that he'd written down and he prayed for her and she got healed. Isn't that the story we want to hear? We don't want to accept that, that she needed sleeping pills and that he needed sleeping pills. There, we, we, we want a miraculous story. We want a miraculous answer. At least I do. I just, I'm just being real with you. I always look for that. And you know, sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's no miraculous answer. And sometimes sacrifice really does cost. I read of another story in, in a book called Dad the Family Coach by Dave Simmons. And he writes of a time that he was with his, his eight-year-old daughter Helen and his five-year-old son Brandon. And they, they went into town wherever they lived and they were going to the Sears and he wanted to buy some tools and you know, bringing the kids along. I, I do that too. I don't know why I think I'm crazy bringing kids to a store. But he, he pulled in and it was like probably an answer from heaven. There was an 18-wheeler there with a mobile pet petting zoo. 
So he pulls in, and there's this big truck, and they got the mobile petting zoo. And, of course, the kids start going crazy. Dad, can we go to the petting zoo? This must have been a little while ago. So he reached in his pocket, and he gave each of his kids a quarter. I don't think it cost a quarter anymore. And he went in, and he went into the store to shop. And he just had to get a couple tools, and he knew they were at the petting zoo, and they'd be safe. And he got in, and, and not too far into Sears, he noticed his daughter, Helen, walking next to him. And he looked down, and he says, what's wrong? Well, it didn't cost a quarter. It cost 50 cents. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> so I gave my quarter to Brandon so he could go in. Now he writes that Helen loved fluffy animals. And she just absolutely loved them. But they had a family motto, a family thing that they lived by. And it was love is action. And they would say it in the ministry, and they would say it at home. Love is action. And so, again, the story doesn't go the way I thought it was going to go. They went and finished their errands in the Sears, and they went out. And they stood at the fence and watched the animals. And he said, I had 50 cents burning a hole in my pocket. But I knew that she had sacrificed her 50 cents, her quarter. And that she had to understand that love is a sacrifice. And so it was an early lesson. The whole statement was not love is action. It's love is sacrificial action. If we give knowing that we're going to get, then it's really not love. It's just a nice show. Unfortunately, I would be the dad who would have my poor kids. I would have been the dad who would have bought the petting zoo and let them go in and rewarded them right there. But unfortunately, that's not the way it always works. We, t we can set our children up. We can set each other up for, for hardship if we don't help them understand that love really is sacrificial action. We don't know much about sacrifice in this country anymore. We have so much. But it's going to cost you to love people. It's going to cost you your time. It could cost you some luxuries. Sometimes it's going to cost you silly things like your car's not going to smell good for a week after you give somebody a ride who you don't want in your car. Love is sacrifice in action. Love is sacrificial action. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we always need to be the doormat or abuse ourselves or become passive. But Christian love inevitably carries a cost. There's a price. When the cost is high, we can count on God to bring fulfillment to, to us as followers and those who'll do it. If there's no cost, then there's really no love. We know that by example, when you've been given something and you think, oh, this is so neat. And they say something, oh, it's okay, it didn't fit. Oh, it's okay, I have three more. And you might appreciate the gift, but the 
the act of love, didn't it just drop? You went, oh, okay. Something about sacrificial love makes a difference. In the end, the, the goal, drawing closer to you, the, the goal of Christian life is love. Our love for God and our love for others. If we fail in this, I think we've missed what it means to be a Christian. It's really simple, but it's really hard. There's hope, though, for any of us who failed in love. And at the beginning I said, you know, can we do it? Can we really love? And the answer is no. We can't. Not outside of Christ. And receiving His love for us first. You know, this morning if you're away from God, if you've never received His ultimate love for you, then this is just a time waster, uh, maybe a nice couple nice stories and a couple giggles. But you need to receive his love. Some of us believers need to receive his love. Even though we've received his sacrifice, we don't receive his love and we're trying to earn our way. Receive his love this morning. We can't love anyone outside of Christ and his life inside of us. And the Lord who forgave those who even crucified him stands ready to forgive us because he already loves us. He wants to cleanse us and show us mercy. He wants to live inside of you and me so that his love can be lived through us. Just close your eyes. So we just spend a moment with the Lord. If there is somebody in here who's never received God's love and his sacrifice, his sacrificial action toward us of sending Jesus, then your whole life can change by simply saying something like this, Lord, I've heard that you sent your son Jesus to cleanse me and to forgive me of my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I receive forgiveness today in your sacrifice and your love. I need to be a new creature, a new person. And I believe that I can't do this on my own. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. Live your life in and through me. In Jesus' name. And for the rest of us, Father, we need your life and your love inside of us. We've tried to live this Christian life on our own and we can't. And Lord, in this area of loving others, we've all failed miserably. Forgive us and empower us to love. Help us to remember your love as we would sacrificially love other people. God, help us to not do it out of our own selfish needs or pride.
or any other self-serving, but help us to be patient and kind, living from you and not ourselves any longer. And as we love you, Lord, we know that we'll draw closer to you and you'll reveal yourself more and more to us. God, my prayer is that we would be a group here, even at Christian centers, that would be said, you know, that church out there, they really love. They really love people. Live in us to make that a reality. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.